you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. This gospel reading is probably familiar to many of you, right? It's uh, a good chance, even if you haven't been around the church much, you've, you've heard some of this story. Uh, it makes it into uh, cartoon Christmas stories. It, it's, uh, it's the one we tell most of the time, right before we tell about Jesus being born in the manger. It's the one we uh, start our kids' pageants with. It's the one that we kind of usher in the cantata with on the silent night kind of uh, movement. But I, I've been thinking a lot about what the scene might have actually looked like versus the way we portray it uh, in the church. Um, and I've begun to wonder if we uh, have maybe uh, made this scene a little more palatable uh, for our Christmas season. Uh, whenever we do our children's pageant, we have uh, this year uh, Abby Longaway uh, dressed up as, uh, as young Mary, and she just came up uh, calm and serene. And then we invited the choir of angels to come forward and announce the good news of her conception. Uh, and our, our, our young women came forth in white robes with these dainty little wings on, and uh, things were sparkly and happy, right? I've been trying to imagine what this is actually like, so I've gone back through and looked at how angels are described in the scriptures. Uh, they're often described as... Uh, larger than humanity, these giant warrior types who carry swords and whose wings uh, can dominate the space, these uh, otherworldly beings who uh, come with kind of the uh, fear of God uh, baked into them. So Parker, stand up front, because you're going you're gonna to be my, uh, what's this object lesson? So if Parker is, is waiting for an angel, it's one thing uh, for somebody about Parker's size to come up and say, hey, Parker, let me tell you something. Uh, I'm imagining these angels are, uh, it'd be like uh, if I put clay on my shoulders and then Eddie Ray climbed on top and uh, we stood here uh, in this scene to now come and tell Parker something. Would that feel a little more intimidating? Yes is the right answer. Yes, just say yes. All right, go sit down. (laughs) Um, She has my whole heart. Right before the gospel reading, she asked if I could go help her find her unicorn and I almost just threw the Bible down and went to go find the unicorn. Um, But Darren came to the rescue. Uh, This scene, uh, I imagine, is much more intense than we make it out to be. Mary is probably somewhere between 13 and 16, based on the kind of uh, traditions and customs of uh, betrothment in their community. Uh, She is uh, young and uh, and probably afraid. Um, She is um, uh, promised to Joseph, and, and she is following the good Jewish steps in preparation for her marriage, and now this massive warrior beast from heaven descends and declares this conception that is happening. We could spend all day just on how God appears and, uh, and, and how different it is that uh, God appears in Jesus versus all the other kind of ways God appears through uh, angels and through theophanies and through storm clouds and the way God uh, speaks. We could spend a lot of time on this text looking at uh, what is it for Mary uh, to be an active participant in this story, that she isn't 
uh, one who is just simply passive. Amy Peeler has a great book called Women and the Gender of God that talks about uh, Mary's uh, kind of experience of this story as uh, one who, who actively chose to be part of God-bearing. Uh, we could talk about um, what it is to be part of a long line of people who have miraculous conceptions. She's hearing about her, uh, her cousin Elizabeth and this uh, kind of uh, remarkable conception that she's had. She's, we could talk about the connections to Sarah and all the, the stories of the Old Testament, how when God uh, does this work of creating uh, life and wounds, there is something big coming. We could, we could make each of those sermons, uh, but I have been so struck by these declarations from the messenger about who this conceived one would be. Uh, remember, Israel uh, is waiting for a long time for somebody to come and redeem them. Uh, if we flip the page uh, from the ending of the Old Testament, the New Testament, it is but one page flip, right? But for Israel, this is about 400 years of longing and the only thing that is sustaining them are these promises found in the Old Testament, these uh, kind of glimmers of the one who is to come. And there have been people who've tried to make the case that they are the Messiah of Israel's hope. And at every point, these false messiahs have disappointed. And now we have this next announcement that uh, the one who is promised is coming. And uh, the angel tells Mary uh, a few key things about who this one will be. Uh, you shall name him Jesus. God saves. That alone could be uh, the whole story, because quite frankly, it is the whole story of uh, Scripture and of God's redemption of us, is that God is the one who does the saving. It is not Marilyn saves or Betty Jo saves or John saves. It's that God is doing the work and saving us. That would be enough if the angel were to say, Mary, uh, you're, you're going to bear a child uh, uh, through the Holy Spirit, and his name will be Jesus, God saves. But uh, he begins to make other declarations about who this Jesus would be. He will be great, this uh, kind of uh, substantival adjective uh, setting up to be a description of who uh, Jesus will be and how he will be. Uh, great is a word that is uh, wholly connected to the images that Jews would have of Yahweh, that he is uh, this, this uh, thing that stands over and against others as greatness. And so Jesus is not only God who is saving, but he is great. And he will be called the son of the God most high. Not only uh, is he Jesus who saves, and not only is he the embodiment of the greatness of Yahweh, uh, but he is the very son of the God most high. This, uh, this language uh, is, is uh, the language of hope for those in exile, that, uh, that, that we can trust in the God most high, the one who reigns above all these other things. And even as we don't understand how it's working, uh, we can trust. And this, this same trust that was supposed to be for the exiles is now here uh, in this declaration of who Jesus is, that he is the embodiment, the very son of the one in whom you can trust. That would be enough, right? Surely at this point, the angel could sit down and go, that's all, folks, and, and keep going. But he's, he's not even uh, halfway there. Uh, the Lord, Yahweh, will give him the throne of David. If you're, a, if you're an observant Jew waiting for the Messiah of Israel's hope, you are watching for somebody uh, connected to the story. We hear it uh, in 2 Samuel 7 today, this kind of covenantal promise that God makes uh, with, with David. Did I say Abraham? I meant David. Luann, you can tell me if I say the wrong person. You have permission. With David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, uh, that, uh, that there would be a forever king in his line, 
And so to have uh, this angel declare to Mary that this Jesus, who is great and who is the son of the God Most High, he is going to be the king in the line of David, uh, is just setting off alarm bells. This is, this, is, this is who we've been waiting for. And he could stop right here, and it would uh, seemingly be powerful enough, but he doesn't. Uh, he will rule over the house of Jacob forever. Uh, this first invitation to uh, the people of Israel to see uh, that this king they have been longing for is being embodied in Jesus. And even as we uh, don't have a clue what it's going to look like, and even as he is this little uh, uh, fetus is going to become this little baby and then become this child and then become this teen, he is He's going to rule and reign. There will be no end to his kingdom, the angel declares, uh, this is good news to a people who've had their kingdom uh, ended over and over and over again. Uh, God made those promises back with Abraham and recapitulated these promises with, with David. And, and yet we see that uh, it isn't long after Solomon's dead that the, the nation splits and then empire after empire comes and dominates Israel. The people who were supposed to be God's nation, right? They were supposed to be um, multitude as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. They were supposed to be a blessing to the nations, and yet uh, Persia, or ba- uh, Assyria and Babylon and Persia and Greece and Rome have all suppressed them. And now this one who is uh, literally not even born yet is declared as the one whose kingdom will have no end. And that'd be enough, right? Gabriel could have just stopped. It's Gabriel, right? Or am I, is that one of those little head things that you, the angel, we'll say it, the angel. You get your counts mixed up after a while. Uh, the angel uh, goes on to declare one more thing, and that indeed he will be called God's son. This is just a brief reference to a text out of Isaiah. It's not uh, something they would have expected the way we expected. Uh, I think God's son for them would have been uh, someone in whom God delights. They, they could not have conceived of uh, God taking on flesh in this manner, uh, and yet uh, it's a declaration here for the Jews uh, but uh, this, this kind of begins this new work for Mark. Not only is this a word of good news for the Jews, this is a word of good news for the world. Uh, if you were a citizen of uh, the empire at that time, if you lived in the middle of Palestine, you didn't use your Jewish currency, you used your Roman currency uh, that had a picture of Caesar along with the words Caesar Augustus, divine son of God. And uh, the Caesars declared that they were the sons of God. Uh, And in this proclamation, the angel says, uh, despite what is on these coins and despite what is declared by these earthly earthly leaders, Jesus, this one who is coming, is the ruler of all, the son of God. Jesus, the, the one who saves, he is great. And none of these others are great. This was good news for Israel who had been longing And these exact same promises are good news for us today. If if we're honest, we're longing. Uh, We stand on this side of the cross and and we know the beauty of the gospel story and we are uh, allowed to be filled with the Holy Spirit and we have great uh, hope in God's transformation in the world and yet we live on this side of new creation. We stand between the cross and when things are made right. Our prayer request list doesn't stop. We, we, uh, We find every week that even as some are answered, new ones pull on. Um, we get our folks out of the hospital and new ones go in. We, uh, we bury our dead and new folks become sick. We uh, continue on uh, thinking maybe, the, maybe things will be better. And yet the reality of sin and death is amongst us, even today. 
And it's easy, all these years later, as we wait, uh, to give up hope. Israel had 400 years of waiting. We're at about 2,000 years right now of waiting for Christ's promise that he would come and make things right. May we not lose sight of the promises that were found in that conception of Jesus and then embodied in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. May we not lose hope that the Spirit will testify with our spirit that uh, we are children of the God Most High, that we are sons and daughters of the very one who took on flesh in Jesus. May we remember God's greatness. May we remember that he is the one who rules over all, not uh, any particular uh, earthly being we might turn to, that God is the God Most High, and yet dwells with each one of us through the power of his spirit. As we look forward to Christmas tonight, may we turn to the one who took on flesh, who lived and died for us, and now lives to intercede on our behalf. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, it is you who saves, and you are great, You are the Son of God the Father, God Most High. You stand in the line of David and your kingdom has no end. You are the very Son of God. And through your Spirit, you have called us to be uh, children of the God Most High. Lord, uh, help us look to you when uh, darkness pushes in, may we see your light and experience your life and love. Lord, may the promises that uh, found a home in the heart of Israel uh, find home in our hearts today. And Lord, just as uh, in the moments after this story, Mary was surrounded by people uh, she loved, may we surround one another with a community of love and forgiveness and bear one another up. Lord, would you fill us with your grace that as we journey through the days ahead, we might grow in love of you and love of our neighbor, and that uh, going forth, uh, the world might see your face through us. We pray this in the name of Jesus, the very God who saves, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.